right, it is 545 here on the Blitz 1170, and we are streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app from the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studios. Uh, by the way, I just retweeted a picture. <laughs> Evidently, this is a player, Hayden Travinsky, that plays for LSU College Baseball. You guys take a look at this photo and tell me what you think of his bat. His bat is painted like a number two pencil. Oh, that is fantastic. So at the top of the bat, it looks like a giant eraser, but that's how his bat is painted. And I forever am now a fan of Hayden Travinsky because he might be my new favorite college baseball player. That. I didn't either. I, if I find out that this is like Photoshopped, I'm going to be severely disappointed. And I will go back to not paying attention to college baseball, which is what I've normally done in the past. But for right now, <laughs> I am, uh, I'm, I'm all on board for sure. Okay, uh, we just wrapped up a conversation with Colin. I didn't bring this up to him at the time, but I did find this piece earlier today from Chris Hummer from 24-7. And the headline here is, all right, you got group of five schools and players. How often, though, are college football's all-conference players transferring from the group of five, okay? So you have a player that ends up being all-conference. And because they play at a G5 school, they're going to be highly coveted by those that play in the power five. So 24-7 sports ran the numbers on this. Not not good news for the G5 at all on this. Um... There were 241 group of five players selected as first or second team all-conference players this year. Of the 241, 134 had remaining eligibility or opted to return to college football in 2024. Do you want to take a guess on the percentage of those that hit the portal during the winter window? 80%. It's not quite that high. I'm a little surprised that it's not higher than what it actually is. But still, it shows you what the attrition rate is, and, and, it's, and it's actually really shocking compared to what the same numbers for Power 5 are. So Power 5 attrition rates for players that were all conference that came back 15% hit the transfer portal from the Power 5. But in the G5, of those 134, it's 44 of them, so about 33% actually hit the transfer portal during the winter window. Now, like like you, I thought it was going to be about half, like 50. You said 80. So 33 is a little shocking, but when you compare it to the other Power 5 numbers, I mean, that's I mean, more than half. Not good, and we're still kind of in the figuring out process of even how all of this looks, and that's only going to grow. So that is a that's another problem to put in the category of, uh-oh, we might have a problem here with the G5s. Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm actually shocked that it's not a higher number. Yeah, I was as well. Yeah. Still, though, man... I mean, it's a lot. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I, I, I definitely thought it was way more than that. But yeah, I mean, that's you know, and and that's where I think you know when Colin talks to us about recruiting, 
there's a lot of programs that kind of have that that fine balance between having the ability to recruit, you know, four and five star caliber players, and maybe weighing that over a one year transfer type of player, or just filling your holes where you need to fill them. Something else that Colin brought up, you know, he was talking about how you got kids in the Southeast that don't really, really know a whole lot about the Oklahomas of the world or have watched Oklahoma games or, or even the majority of schools out West. And there's a variety of different reasons for that. Um, do you think that works in, in reverse as well? Do you think that this also now, and I think the SEC has already been in Texas with Texas A&M, so it's probably a bad question, but having both of the flagship, I almost said a bad word there, flagship institutions in Texas. I mean, Texas Tech might qualify as the other one, I was going to say, but um, do you think that that works in reverse for athletes that are in this part of the country, like the the Texas mainly of having their eyes open to football in the Southeast, like the Georgias of the world. I think that the state of Texas in terms of recruiting has been open for business outside of the state of Texas for a while. You're probably right. right. I mean, I feel like we're kind of on a stretch of about 20 years where no longer are the, you know, you look at like the top 50 rated players in the state and there was a point in time where, I mean, it was either like Texas or Texas A&M and, and Oklahoma. Like those three for, for nearly every player that would be in like the top 50. And that's just not the case anymore, right? I mean, it's it's all over the place. Texas has been rated by uh, Big Ten schools, by Pac-12 schools. Oregon has, has been really busy in the state of Texas uh, for about a, a 10 to 15 year stretch. Uh, and yeah, I think the SEC schools have, have been doing that as well. And I think that the way that football is perceived in Texas is different than in the Southeast where you always hear like, it's, it's like a religion in Texas. I think there probably are more kids paying attention to football in the state of Texas than maybe in the, in the Southeast footprint. And because of that, they probably are much more aware of where the premier football in the in the country is and what those programs are and why it's beneficial to leave the state of Texas and go play at a Georgia or an Alabama if you get that opportunity. I'm looking at the 2025, I can't believe we're already doing this, 2025 team rankings right now. We got a long way to go on that. But uh, I guess I didn't, I didn't realize that uh, Notre Dame and LSU are like off to an incredible start for 2025 so far. Like, Colin's not lying when he was mentioning LSU getting back to an elite level of recruiting, and that's just another juggernaut that you got to find yourself dealing with now on top of the other ones that are already in their place. Mm, man. So that Notre Dame can continue to underachieve? So that Notre Dame can continue to underachieve. I, I do think it's funny that uh, Notre Dame basically, in this new version of the playoff, who knows if this ends up staying the way that it is. I doubt it. But Notre Dame kind of did the trade-off for, okay, so we can't be a top four and have a bye because we're not a conference champion. But how about we go ahead and rig it the other way where if you got 
the rest of it in terms of qualifiers for for college football, like we're ten and two, we're going to be in no matter what. We just won't right. play a conference championship game. Like you guys can have that, and okay, we'll we just won't have a bye. We'll host home games instead, right? After we've had a a significant rest here, that's that's fine with us. Like so, Notre Dame continues to get what they want and continue to remain an independent as long as the current model is in this place. Yeah. It's brilliant. I mean, how often are they going to be a top four seed anyway, right? I, I mean, it's exactly. It's not happened too frequently anyway. And then you're talking about potentially playoff football in South Bend, Indiana. Are you kidding me? Touchdown Jesus watching playoff college football. Yeah, they, they, they continue to, I think, bend things the way that benefits them the most and everybody else continues to fall for it. I heard a bunch of, like, poor Notre Dame stuff the other day and it blew my oh, mind. What? Like, why are you... They're getting everything they want. That way? That's that's absurd. They don't want to join a conference. They have never wanted to join a conference. The only time that they will join a conference is if they absolutely have to. And the way that things are going right now, they don't have to. This has excused them from the conference conversation because they still have as good access as anyone with the way that the system is. Who cares if they don't get a, a bye? They don't play a conference championship game, so that is technically their bye. Yeah, poor Notre, poor Notre Dame, my ass. Like, I don't, I don't get that sentiment at all. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> and, and even if it was poor Notre Dame, would anyone actually feel sorry for them? No. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. Not I at did all. See, I did see the four-letter network calling them a relic. Oh, yeah. Which, look, I know they haven't won a national championship in a long time, but they continue to have top 10 recruiting classes almost every year, right? They're a relic on the field. And their access, yeah, like they they haven't won the big game, but my gosh, their their access is still very obtainable. Like they, they, they they are not far away from being able to be right there every year. Yeah, let's just be real. They're a relic on the field and, and what their results have been, but they're they're not a relic in anything else at all and still continue to be in the topic of conversation and even you know on what's the crazy business they've, side. They've played in a national championship game since Oklahoma has. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Tend to forget that. Tend to Notre kinda, Dame fans forget about it too. Leave that out of the conversation, and yes, based off of their performance, a very they, forgettable game. But yeah, <laughs> they they do want to forget about that as well. Uh, all right, fellas, what's on the agenda tonight? Little uh, little Thunder Clippers. I think I'll probably tune into that tonight for sure. Thunder Clippers, and then uh, you know we are about halfway through Love Is Blind on Netflix. So. I never got into that one. There's a giant controversy about one of the participants claiming that she looks like Megan Fox. I read about this. And yeah, yeah. And That's it's like not true, big, right? <laughs> it's like a big drama on social media. So, uh, yeah, we are we are about halfway through that. So probably Thunder Clippers and then catch up on a few more episodes. Okay. If you get a chance, I'm telling you, watch that Greatest Night in Pop because I would love to hear your thoughts and opinions Definitely. on it. And, and how you go and, and manage it's in the queue for sure. massive, yeah. massive egos like that on one night and just how they arrange that many stars to perform into the wee hours of the morning. 
By the way, I did think it was hilarious that they had literally a a, a Roscoe's chicken and waffles run at like 4 a.m. for all these stars. <laughs> I know, and there's right? Kenny Rogers eating like chicken and <laughs> like everyone else. It's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Scott, you gave a thumbs up too, right? I saw you tweeting oh, about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's very well done. All right, everyone. Have a great rest of your evening. We'll be back here tomorrow, bright and early, 6 a.m. with uh, the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Here on the Blitz 1170, have a great Thursday night. Thunder and Clippers coming up tonight here in this state as we welcome back the NBA. And I believe the Oklahoma State Coaches Show comes up next here on the Blitz 1170. It's streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app.